Hey everybody and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. Today I have a special guest for you, my friend Ricardo Santiago, one of my colleagues and fellow artists at Joyco. He's an incredible artist and I can't wait for us to share with you both of our journeys as educators and how we pretty much got to the same place, just in a different way. So I hope you enjoy and I hope you're doing well and let's get into it. Welcome to the Gina Bianca Podcast. Awesome. So I really thought this would be a great opportunity because you and I both work at Joyco and we both got there in completely different ways. Mm -hmm. So I thought it would be an amazing opportunity if we can go ahead and share, you know, how we became educators, how we got there, um, you know, the journey. And I have a bunch of questions and I was like, you know what, this would be great if I could ask you the questions and then answer as well. And then we can take Q and A of anybody who's considering becoming an educator. I know a lot of people are, I know a lot of people are considering, um, you know, starting a side hustle or jumping into their passion. And I think it's cool to hear other people's stories. So um, we can start and just have you introduce yourself to, you know, the people who maybe joined in from my following who don't know you yet or who might be just being introduced and then I'll do the same. Yeah, sounds good. Um, So for those who don't know me, um, Ricardo Santiago, uh, stylist Ricardo Santiago on the bottom there. And I am a Joyco International Guest Artist, and I've been with them now for about five years. Um, and then I would say it's been probably over the last, what, like year, year and a half that you and I have been able to do some work and stuff together. Um, I think just over a year, right, when we did the, uh, the Defy Damage launch, I think was probably one of the first real times that we got to um, do anything together. So that was cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, my, my, I, my road got started way early on. So like, once we get into like the details and stuff, I'll, I'll talk about that. But, uh, for the most part, I, you know, work behind the chair, just like almost everyone else that's watching here does, um, whenever I'm not on the road. And I, this, well, Prior to what's going on now, uh, I was traveling almost every weekend for for some kind of educational event. Uh, now we're to where I am just working. Um, well, now we're working more from home, but uh, we're still kind of keeping on with the education because that's always kind of been a big driving force for myself and a lot of others as well. So. Now it's, now it's your turn, Gina. Yeah, so I am a hairstylist and educator, a salon owner. I've been doing it for like 11 years now. And when I started off as a cosmetology student, I always wanted to be a salon owner. Um, that was like my life goal when I was a, starting out. That's all I wanted to be. And then I became a salon owner. And then all I wanted to be was an educator. Um, and now I kind of do so many different things. Uh, as a stylist, I think it's really cool with a cosmetology license, like how many different things that you can do. Like you can you can have so many different hustles and you can do so many different things. So um, I'm just really grateful to be doing what I love every day. And yeah, that's what I do. So every day I just do something a little bit different and it's really, really fun. 
That's awesome. Yes. So the next, um, so the question is, where did your passion for education start? Like, when did you know you wanted to become an educator? Uh, all right. So for me, I would say that, um, I didn't realize how many things I missed there. <laughs> uh, so for me, it was um, a different route. I knew almost right away that I wanted to become an educator. So uh, when I was in hair school, um, I had I had one teacher who was very involved in developing me into becoming a hairstylist beyond just a barber. And then I had another teacher who was also act, an, an acting educator. She actually was an, a platform artist for Rusk at the time. And between the two of them, I just kind of, I saw the approach that the one teacher had, her name was Miss Cindy. She was the one who was really trying to develop me into becoming more of a hairstylist than a barber. And then my other teacher was Miss Sue Ann, who was still very much involved in that development also, but then she, she kind of showed me this other world that I didn't know about, which was the education side and like, the hair shows and the stage work and all the work that goes on behind the stage and all that stuff. And I just like immediately between the two of them, I knew that I, I was like, I want to do that. And then the first salon that I ever went to work at, um, it was this beautiful, like high-end salon in downtown Sarasota. And um, in that salon, we had, I think about 15 hairstylists that worked there. And at least, I think eight to 10 of them were uh, educators for different manufacturers and different companies. So like we had educators for Purology, Chi, um, what was another one, uh, Karistas. Uh, we had Goldwell educators. There were literally like so many different groupings all mixed in there. And I thought that it was so cool um, to kind of get thrown right into that. So I got fantastic education, not just from those teachers that I had in hair school, but it really went up another level when I went into that salon. And in the salon, um, I was able to uh, to really kind of hone my skills and taking like what I considered to be the best aspects of each of those individuals. And then my teacher that worked for Rusk at the time, she's like, hey, we're bringing people on. Do you want to join? And I was like, heck yeah. So probably within like six months of graduating hair school, I was already working as an apprentice for uh, about eight months at that point. And, um, and I started getting into education working, you know, behind the scenes. And then just kind of little by little worked, like worked my way up. But I, I knew, I just knew like right from the very beginning with those teachers, and with the staff that we had at that salon that I wanted to be in education in some way, shape or form. I just saw how the way that they were so passionate about just pouring into me, I was like, I have to, I want to do this for other people. Like I want to pour that same thing into other people as well. So I thought it was pretty great that they all were, were so willing to do that. And you know, why, why wouldn't we in this kind of an industry want to just share that anyway? I love that. It makes me think about like, you get to like certain levels in this industry where you just want, like in the beginning, you just want things for yourself and then you get into it and you just want to give back to others. And it's like, 
you like some people mature differently like some people like have always wanted to be an educator they just want to give to other people like they just want to like give and share and do all of that and it's like a level of like just wanting to give back and i love that how about that so how did you start I I literally like when you were talking I was thinking I was like wow like thinking all the way back to school I like wanted to be a learning leader when I was in school like I was like I never want to leave here I want to work here and then quickly was like I don't want to work here (laughs) (laughs) beauty school is not very glamorous for a teacher beauty school is not very glamorous but I do have a lot of respect for beauty school teachers because they're killing it but um when I I really like as you were talking because I I always say like when people are like how did you become an educator this is always my answer I love teaching my assistants like I learned how to teach by teaching people who were just out of school like when I was when I owned my employee-based salon we only hired out of school like and we would mold them like we didn't take people with a lot of experience we would always mold them into you know the kind of systems that we wanted to do and i would teach them from the beginning but going back to school and my passion for education i like i went to all the shows I was always obsessed with learning and um, like I love the glamour of the shows and the events. So like I always wanted to do them, but I like never thought that would be me. Like I never thought that I would be on stage. Like I never thought I could. Do you know what I mean? Like I would be in the audience just like, just like (laughs) always wanting that, but that was never like my goal. And then I always wanted to be a salon owner. So then once I became a salon owner and started teaching, like there's always another level, you know? So once you hit a level, it's kind of just like, all right, what's next? And um, my true passion for education, like where I really started to do it, like as a business and as a job um, would definitely have to be once I kind of hit that level of being a salon owner that I wasn't satisfied with anymore, I needed more. That's where it kind of like ignited for me, I guess. That's awesome. So, I mean, it, it sounds like I, we both probably started right around the same time. Uh, I know like I graduated hair school probably about 11, 12 years ago. Um, yep. Mine was two, uh, 2009, August 11th, 2009. Okay. And mine was in 2008, I think. 2008 or 2007. Right around the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so cool. Yeah. So, and back then, I mean, there really wasn't a, a plat like a social media platform. You know, we had like MySpace, but mm. nobody was doing hair on MySpace. Uh, I had Twitter, and it was the Hair Doctor wow. with the underscores. <laughs> that was my Twitter, and I, I that's where I got my name. That's, That's literally, crazy. yeah, 2009. Um, I remember, I remember where I was. I remember I was in the front area of the salon that I was at and I was just like, I'm making a Twitter and I need a brand. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm the hair doctor. And I wrote it out and I was like, this is my brand. And that was so long ago. <laughs> That's hilarious. But hey, like you kind of spoke it into existence and now look what it's turned into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my business cards in beauty school also said, um, master colorist (laughs) (laughs) oh man hey you know what speak it into existence you gotta speak it in (laughs) master colorist while still in air school (laughs) 
That's fantastic. Okay, here's our next question. Um, What was your initial goal? Like when you first said like, I'm going to be an educator, like what did you envision yourself doing? Like what was your initial goal when you're like, I'm doing this? My my main thing was uh, I I fell in love the very first hair show that I went to I fell in love with that and seeing those people on stage I was like I'm gonna become a platform artist so like more than anything that was my top goal and like I knew that that was a two in one as a platform artist I would also be an educator so I could kind of get both of my passions done at the same time so I and you're doing that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're killing it. <laughs> I, I, I thought, I mean, I never really like hit that level with the first company. Um, I did with my second and third company on like a smaller scale. And then, but it really wasn't until Joyco that I was able to really expand on that. But, um, but yeah, I always, I always wanted to do that. Like it, it just, it was such, it was something that was so, um, unique about the way that they presented uh on a stage that i was like wow that's that's like the coolest thing i've ever seen you know it's like a motivational speaker or like the president on the stage but it's just they were talking to all and and so many people would come around and gather just to to receive some of that knowledge from them i was like that's that's what i want to do i gotta i gotta do that i want to be that guy yeah, I was the most inspired by Robert Cromines, like when I, because I went to a Paul Mitchell school, so I would be in the audience, like, he would come to our school, like what? Robert would come to my school, like I went to Paul Mitchell at a time where like Robert, DJ, like all these people, they were our guest artists that would come like on a Wednesday, like that's, that's the that's the school I went to, so Robert, like I always just like looked at like, I want to, that's what I want to be. So I wanted to be a platform artist, but I never thought I could. Like I never thought I had the look or like the, um, like I never thought I could talk in front of people like that. Cause I would be like, you know, like when you're in like school, when you're a kid and you have to read out loud and like, yep. I would freak <laughs> out. Right. So, yep. Like you're like Start rehearsing, stuttering. you rehearse all... the paragraph. You don't even listen. <laughs> you're like reading ahead. Just because yeah. you know it's your turn next. <laughs> yeah, so um, Robert Cromine's like, and he always, it wasn't even about hair. Like, I never really was, like, super obsessed with hair, um, really ever. It, it's just, it, hair is, like, something to, that I can do, but, like, I love the business and the impact of it. So, like, that's why I love Robert, and I loved his sayings. Like, you keep score, you do more. You change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so many of his sayings I loved. And now I have my own sayings and I'm the business expert for Joyco. And I like have that job that I can one day be like that. Yeah, and you can like roll up in a school and do the exact same thing, be that exact like, same person. I'm and sure they're gonna be freaking out. And they're gonna be like, oh my God. Like I have, um, and it was really funny. This is like, this is a moment like, cause I still like, I still, I'm just like me, right? So I have this moment um, at the hair show at ISSE and I went to the Framar booth. Do you know those guys, Framar? Yeah, yeah. So I go there and um, I know Frenchie, I never met the other brother and he comes up to me and he's just like, did you know that everybody in our office quotes you daily? And I was like, what are you talking <laughs> Wait, who, Gio? 
You never met Gio? I never met him before. And he's like, did you know that everybody in our office quotes you daily? And I was just like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I, I was just like, what do you mean? Like, what, what did I say that people would be quoting? And he was just like, would they all wake up in the morning and say, let's get this bread. <laughs> but like you just never know like what's gonna happen and you just never know because like I and you it's it's like when do we take the time to like really look at where we are and really appreciate where we came from because I always wanted to have my own sayings and then like it was at ISSE I had that moment where I was just like holy shit I have my own sayings so it was just like super hilarious that like that actually happened and I I mean 10 years ago I was in the audience just like staring up at like my mentors and it could happen yeah absolutely it could happen for anyone in any in any way wait but so you have your phrase now have you put it on a shirt yet that's no. what I want to know. No, yeah. I feel like that needs that's to not be the one. <laughs> that's not the one. But I was like, I quote Robert daily, and I was just like, and then he's like, Did you know that people in our office quote you daily? And I just started laughing. I was like, Wow. I was like, That was like a moment, you know, like you that you never forget. Yeah. Because um, we try to stay humble out here. So. <laughs> hey, I'm, I get it. I'm with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my initial goal was to be a platform artist. That's and have awesome. my own sayings and just be cool <laughs> i just wanted to have my own my own sayings and i wanted to like help people and have things that they remembered that they would be able to apply to their business you know and just like little things and it happened that's awesome that's i'm awesome. shook that about it kind of the same except for I, I i didn't think i was cool enough to have like a catchphrase you are cool enough to have a catchphrase. I need to develop one now. I'm going to work on this next. Write it down. I'm going to start writing. <laughs> I'll just start random writing down random shit. And then you'll see me on stage one day. We'll be walking off stage and I'm just going to say something real stupid. And you're going to look at me and be like, that was it, wasn't it? And that was like, the catchphrase. Like, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> I love it. Um, All right. Here's one more question. Two more questions. What, if anything, got in your way to becoming an educator? Like, what was something that maybe you had to overcome? Um, I mean, really, first, there are two, two main things, and I, I think that this can get in, in a lot of people's way. Um, but the first one, the first one was uh, myself, obviously, because I think that we all get in our own ways for a lot of different things. Uh, we tend to get in our own heads. We're our own worst critics. We will find a thousand different ways to kind of take apart something that we've done or something that we're going to do and, and convince ourselves that it wasn't good enough or it's not going to be good enough. And there are all these, all these different things that can really block us from building up to the potential that we really have, right? So that was like my first thing that, that got in my way was so just me um the other one i would say is there were times where i struggled with like the discipline of it um and and that in that confidence so like i i i was receiving a ton of information and i was receiving a ton of education myself but then um 
I, I wasn't practicing as much of what I should have been. Like I had so many opportunities to really excel even faster than I could have, but um, that that was something that that held me back was that I just didn't put it into practice as much as I think I should have. Um, but I feel like over time, um, and I saw a few people actually were, were asking these questions in both the live and the Zoom is they were saying, well, how do you get over, how do you, how do you get over that, that block? How do you get over that confidence? How do you find a way to present yourself on a stage? And I think that that's something that it just takes time to develop. And there's some people who never do develop that and that's okay. You know, it's like, maybe that's just not your calling. You have a different kind of calling. You know, we, we have people on Joyco who are some of the best hairdressers I've ever seen or worked with. And some of them just don't want to be on a stage. Like it's not their thing. They don't want to, they, they, they don't do well on a stage and they, that's not something that they want to develop. Um, and that's perfectly okay. But if it is something that you're shooting for, then it's just a matter of practice. And that's what I started to do was just a lot of practicing and a lot of uh, talking in front of a mirror, talking to dogs. They don't, they don't judge you. They're always really happy. And then afterwards they'll come and lick your face. And so that makes you feel good uh, about what you just said. Um, and then, you know, having like, if you can, if you have the ability to find your own personal cheerleaders, you know, if you have some friends who are there that can kind of encourage you and be honest with you at the same time, like don't have them both like blowing smoke up your ass. Like you need to know, hey, that wasn't like, that wasn't the best. I feel like if you did this or this, that would help. Um, and then being able to accept that criticism. I have, uh, thankfully I have Angela for that and she, is always kind of like pushing and helping me along with that. So um, th these are things, and I mean, we've been married now for 10 years, so it's it's been over the course of my development as an educator that she's been able to see that along the way and see my development. And she knows the kind of criticisms that I need to help me to continue to excel. And then also like, you know, we, it, it goes beyond just that too. Like I, I obviously um, I've got people within Joyco. Uh, one of one of my, my biggest supports, I would say that always gives me great criticism as well on a broader spectrum um, is Tuki Carlson, who's our director of education. She's always been somebody that I can say, hey, like what what did I do here? How can I improve in that? And like, what do you see that you want me to, that I can improve on? And then I take those notes and I take the notes that Angela gives me and and between all those things. And then, um, and then I'll reach out and I'll ask like Val on the PR side and say, hey, what did, what did you see that you liked? What can I do to more, you know, kind of cater to your audience and your crowd? Because now we're talking where you got to hit like different crowds and you're hitting different areas. Um, so finding those people that are there to support and that can help you out. I think that's, that's also really important that can help out and that we can just kind of lift each other up with that. 
Yeah, I love that. And I, I'm the same way. Like I need feedback from people because uh, I like to know what's going on and I like to know exactly what's expected of me. And uh, it's really, really helpful with feedback. And it's like not being afraid of bad feedback either. Like yeah. You can't take it personal. And that's like the only way you can grow because sometimes feedback sucks, but you know, you can't grow otherwise. How are you going to know? You, you're just going to go on assuming that you did a great job. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no. And I, I remember I remember that specifically about you when we did the Behind the Chair show last year. Like you were you were constantly like, hey, how was that? Like, how did I do? Can I do this? And you were so like wanting feedback. I'm like, what she want all this feedback? And I and I was like, you know what? I, I just saw there was a there was a humility in that that I was like, that's that's fantastic. And I'm gonna try to like I wanted to try to help, and I was hopefully giving decent feedback. But I was like, I I that's my mental approach. And when you when I saw that you were on that same path, I was like, all right, she's like my kind of people. Yeah, like, it was really cool because that was my first experience being on a, a major stage like that. And I just never have before. And I told Larissa, I was just like, can you just give me feedback? Like, just let me know like what I can do better. Cause I've never done this. And it just, I don't want to like be telling everybody, I don't know what I'm doing, but I did tell like uh, the main main team. I was like, Hey, like it's my first time doing this. So just give me, give me feedback. I don't care if it sucks. But then the next time I went, it was awesome. And the whole Joyco team was always so welcoming to me. That's why I was like, I love Joyco because everyone's so nice. <laughs> like a family. <laughs> it really is. Um, but to answer that too, like um, some things that got in my way when I was an educator um, was just not knowing where to start, um, like to actually take it to the next level. And there's some questions coming through on the Zoom and the Q&A. Uh, one question is, where? what's the first step to getting started? And I can just share that what I did when I first was starting out, starting out is I created tons of step-by-steps. So I would just create content. I would just take before and after pictures, processing pictures. Um, Now it's video, but back then it was pictures. So I would just get step-by-steps with like written and photo and video and start sending them off to people. Like really trying to connect with the brands that you want to connect with and just put trying to get your foot in the door. It doesn't just happen like, it, it like for me especially like I never got anyone really in my DMs or knocking on my door banging on my door like Gina please work with us right now like it's really building relationships over time it's not like oh yeah um one day I just woke up and 10 brands wanted to work with like that might happen for some people but it doesn't happen for everyday people um and it doesn't happen all the time so I just wanted to like put that out there the first thing you have to do is take some kind of action and create content or put get something that you could show them and try to get your foot in the door. Absolutely. What do you think, like a good start? Like what's the first, say someone is like, I wanna be an educator, what's the first thing they can do? Uh, same thing, I mean, thankfully, we, we, I mean, I know with Joico, we've got some avenues that, that do help with that. Like you can actually go onto the website and based on where you live, if they're looking for um educators in that area you can fill out an application right through our website on joyco.com and actually submit to become an educator and then uh, the typically the territory manager in that area will reach out and schedule an interview and all that stuff so they've made it a little bit easier whereas you know before like what you're saying it was 
kind of putting yourself out there a lot. Um, like I didn't have a paper application or an online application to figure out or to fill out and like send it in. It was more just like, you, you kind of almost have to just go up to somebody who, I just went up to people who were working for the brands I wanted to work with and said, hey, uh, how do I work with you? And just put myself out there. And um, I know when, when I started with, uh, after Rusk, I went to TG and I started that because one of the girls that worked with me at the salon in here downtown Orlando, she worked with them and um, I was like, hey, I want to get in. And she's like, okay. And so she just brought me along one day to a hair show and she's like, oh, he's working. And that was it. And then I just worked my way up. And then another time um, it was more formal. Like I, we had a distributor that came in for a brand to the salon that I was working at and they said, oh, you know, they're, they're starting a whole education line. And I was like, how do I get in on it? I want to, I want to work with this company. I love this brand. And, um, and that at the time wasn't quite, hadn't quite developed the way that I was thinking that it would. And then all of a sudden she was like, oh, hey, like we have a training coming up. You're invited if you want to come. And then like two months later, they were like, hey, do you want to be on our platform team? And I was like, sure. Cause I had done all these things to show them that I could. And then, and then literally like a month after that, that same lady who recruited me for this brand left that brand and went to work for Joyco. And she's like, I want you on Joyco. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and, and then after that, it just kind of like domino effect, like snowballed into what it is now. So that's how um, you got hooked up with them. It was through a friend. Yeah, really. I mean, it was, it was a friend who worked for a manufacturer who, and, and the way that it happened was like, we made a post on Instagram and it was like a nice, you know, it was a nice picture of hair. And she's like, uh, she just commented on it. She's like, when are you going to come and work for me at Joyco? And I was like, like, you just left that other place. There's no way you're serious. And she's like, no, seriously, I want you to come work with me at Joyco. And then Ricardo's wife wants to say something, but we're not going to put the camera on me. What Ricardo won't say, because this is the truth, is Ricardo is just a genuinely nice person and a nice guy. And you know, there's all those slogans and those fancy little sayings of kindness, you know, kindness that it really does pay to be a genuine, kind and humble person. Because that says that people, I mean, if you're easy to work with, you can be a team player um, and lift other people up and you don't come in with the ego and the demands. So that's something that obviously because he's humble, he, he doesn't say, but that was a huge factor in why that person noticed him as well. Sorry. Yeah, that's huge. It's like a relationship economy too. Like you want to like who you do business with. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, if you don't develop those relationships, like you know, and you never know where they're gonna go. Here, that relationship started with that lady at a different brand, and then it turned into Joyco. And then she was only with Joyco for like a month, and then left there too to go start her or work with her husband and his. He has a salon software company, um, and then it all was like. She left and I just went right after she left. <laughs> That's awesome. What a good story. Yeah, it's, it was pretty great. But That's it's crazy awesome. because like, I feel like I took this old school approach of like, I had to try 
working with different brands and like working my way up with different brands to then get recognized by other brands and then get recruited and it's like the old school kind of way of doing it and then like your approach is so it's so different of how it's just I, I it's there's two ways to be an educator you can work through brands or you could work yourself both literally are this it's the same amount of work mm -hmm. it's so like working through a brand is hard work you know, it's, I think it is. I think that working for a brand, like the expectation and, you know, all of those things, like it's hard work and it's, it, it's important and doing it on your own. It's just the same. It, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? It's just like you're either working on your time or somebody else's time. So I, um, got, I got in touch with Joyco when, um, I wanted to be on the BTC team so bad. They just started their whole influencer team and I was just like really popping off on Instagram it was like right when I started talking about like all the pricing stuff and my page was just like popping off I was just like I want to be on the BTC team so bad and I would like DM them every day and they're just like who are you <laughs> I'm just like please notice me and eventually months later they call my phone I don't know how they got my number what? They called my phone and they were like, hey, Gina, we have an opportunity for you. Do you want to join the BTC team? And I was like, it was so funny. It should have been on TV. I was like, yes, finally, like screaming. And um, I was like, so what is it? <laughs> I was like, tell me everything. I was like, tell me everything. And, and basically what they were doing is they said they were trying to find a brand that would work, that would fit well with me. Um, that was like a real, like a really good um that I could grow with. And I was just like, okay. And they were just like, how do you feel about Joyco? And I was just like, I love Joyco. I used Joyco when I was a kid, like when I was in high school and stuff. I was like, I love Joyco. And I was just like, I'm willing to work it out. And I'm like, I love Larissa. Cause I know Larissa was, um, she was like the main person I knew there. And I was like, I love Larissa. I was like, I'll give it a try. I was like, I just need like major education before anything. Cause I just want to make sure I like the product and know about it and, and all the things. And, um, every time I worked with Joyco, I literally felt comfortable right away. Like I never felt like an outsider or like scared or anything like that. Like I really was always like welcomed. So I was just like right from the beginning, comfortable with them. And then going into, um, being exclusive with them now, it was just natural flow. Like it was like the best way to be with a brand. It wasn't forced or like, it was just like all like a natural, like we worked together for a few years and, um, now I get to grow with them for longer time. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Pretty dope. And, yeah. um, it's just been like really like, like working with, working with a brand, it's like as a stylist like if you look and you're just like i i could never do that or like that's not possible for me just know that it's possible for anybody like you just have to put in the work you have to put in the work and that's and that's the main thing and it's it took 10 years to get like an exclusive deal with the brand it took me 11 years to get an exclusive deal didn't happen overnight happens really quickly for some people happens longer for other people um but really building a brand, building your expertise, adding value, building relationships, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's kind of an important thing too that you said because it's not uh, like as as amazing as it is to, to work with a brand and kind of like develop yourself through 
and with a brand, you still don't want to lose sense of like your brand also, you know? So it's like, you can't lose uh, Gian Bianca's brand, right? And like, I wouldn't want to lose my stylist Ricardo brand, um, but it's almost just kind of how, and I think it's a lot easier nowadays where our identities aren't so fully involved in like just the brand. It's kind of like this perfect blend of how the two of them come together. And so mm-hmm. like- That's huge when they, choosing. Exactly. That's, exactly. It's like huge when choosing. that's going to lift your brand as much as you can lift theirs. Yeah. And it's starting like with what you love to use. Like that's yeah. like kind of where you have to start. Like you have to love to use it. You have to want to recommend it and it has to perform to your expectation. Like for me, my whole brand is healthy hair. Like that's my yeah. whole brand healthy hair. And um, with Joyco, it's been like a perfect match. Perfect, easy, like fits right in. Like the products are easy to teach, easy to recommend. They perform perfectly and they're affordable, available everywhere. Like it's just easy, easy to share. I mean, because if not, then we're we're basically, we're nothing more than like old school used car salesmen, you know, like you're selling somebody something that they don't, like, you know, it's not going to be a great value for them, but you're just doing it to make money versus somebody who exactly. authentically tells something that they believe in it's it's so much easier and it's like we're not even we're not even selling it we're just talking about what we like to use and that's I know, I know. so easy to do it that way so that's going to lead me into my my i have two more questions so what's like the best part about working with a brand and what's like uh or not working with a brand what's the best part of being with an educator or being an educator and I'm going to answer first by saying working with brands that like fit your brand because it's easy that way, mm-hmm. like easy. So the best part about being an educator and maybe the ugly side about being an educator, Ooh. if there is the one. <laughs> you took, and then you said there the is. good answer first. Now you got to say what's the ugly side so that I All have, right. Good. Have. The best part about being an educator, it's easy. Like having a brand to support you, is very, it makes it a lot easier and it's really good to have that support. So I love that. Number one, number two, the ugly side of being an educator is the travel, the traveling, like all of the time. If you go into this full time, I have figured ways that make the traveling great. However, it's still a lot and it takes up so much time so like say i'm doing a four-hour class that class is actually three 24-hour days yeah you know what i mean so it's really like it's it's a give and take and it's really you have to think about your time and you know your value that you put on your time so and it's it's that's the ugly side is is you could get burnt out the travel could be a lot Um, but honestly, like the best parts about it is really like the best part about being an educator is having someone click and get something and you know, they're never going to do that thing the same again, where you can have that long lasting impact on somebody's life or craft or whatever. Like when someone gets it, like that's like my favorite moment. Yeah. That aha moment that happens when you're, when you're on a stage. Yes. Yeah. I, I still, I remember like, I think it was the Punskana event that we did uh, a couple years back and I was on stage with Larissa and Phil and we were doing the color intensity segment and I just, I remember the moment that we, we like brought out our models 
and we showed the befores of our models on this massive stage and then brought them out and when my girl came out uh it was crazy to like i i know exactly what you're saying because like i one and one singular note the whole crowd goes oh and i was like yes like i got it <laughs> like that that is hands down like the most satisfying sound or when somebody's like ah oh, like in the middle of a class or a demo best sound that you can hear because it's like yep. something just happened and they just got something that, that or like when you look at the mannequins and they all kind of look like yours yep you're just like i'm a good teacher <laughs> i didn't mess it up i did a good job <laughs> well that's the thing if they can do it the way that you did it like if their doll head can look like your doll head yep it's like <laughs> that's that's success right there yeah but let's see do you guys have any questions that you want to ask i have a couple on our q a segment here yeah, say, there's a couple down there there's too. a couple here on instagram too so you want to go first yeah so how long have you been with joyco is one question and i just i just got signed brand new i'm fresh meat <laughs> she's greeny fresh me uh and i've been with them for almost six years now wow love that yeah. all right um, go ahead you ask one angela all right let's see oh that's I, too small i can't even read that um there's okay what are your favorite okay that's good hold on one second what does that say um, this is a really small question. What do you do to prepare for speaking in front of people? I feel like I don't know enough to teach, but then I realize I do know enough. Oh, that's actually, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I practice a little bit, but I, I practice like my bullet points. Like I want to know, I know what my main points are going to be that I'm going to talk about, but a lot of the way that I present on stage, there's a lot of improv involved. So I try to make sure that I know my facts, like I know what I need to talk about. And then from there, it's just kind of like, I pretend that everyone that's sitting in the audience is like a good friend of mine. And I'm just talking with a friend. And I think like when I can do that, that helps me to more efficiently communicate on stage and also just come across in a way that's a little bit more relatable that everyone can can understand and absorb things a little bit better um, versus like I've been at I've been to presentations where I feel I feel like I've been talked down to and nobody likes that so I think if you can find a way to just just act like you're talking to your friends and most of the time I have plenty of friends in the audience anyway so I just feel like I'm talking to them um, so that would be how how I address that uh, Gina how would you how would you do the same um, when it comes to preparing to speak, if you get nervous, uh, the, the main thing is, is you have to know what you're talking about. Like you have to own the information. Like for me, if I, the only time I get nervous, this is the only time, the only time I get nervous is if I don't know what to say. That's the only time I get nervous. So a lot of the times if I have to speak, if I have to say something for someone, 
if I don't know everything about what I'm talking about, it's hard. Like I'm not a mouthpiece. Do you know what I mean? Like, so that's, I need to know and prepare before I speak. So I need to know about what I'm talking about. So number one is know your shit. Number one. Um, number two is I love to engage my audience. Uh, I love to put my audience on the spot because it's just as it, I love for them to understand like how much pressure it is. So I like to start all my classes with introductions where they stand up, say their name and say what they want to get from the class. Um, typically that's how I start every event. And what I do from that is I'll take that information and I kind of customize the entire class for that group. So by doing that, it helps me get to know the audience. It helps me know what they want. Like, that's the thing. I just want to meet your needs. Like, that's what I, I just want to do a good job. So once I know what's expected of me, I can deliver. Like, that's it. So the only time I get nervous is when I don't know what's going on or what's expected of me. So um, engage your audience. Always make sure you're prepared. And then uh, speak to your information and don't make judgments in the audience. So like, if you see a stylist who's like um, much older, don't assume that they can't get anything from you if you're younger than them. So like I used to have like this fear that like a stylist doing hair 30 years is not gonna get anything from me. Like what am I gonna teach her? Like I would always think that my information wasn't good enough for somebody who's been doing hair longer than me. I also had the same um, issue as a leader um, in my salon because I was younger than a lot of the people working for me. So that's something I had to get way over. And that's a personal thing. Yeah. You know, so as an educator, like that's huge. Like if you're in big groups, it's hard because people are mean too. Yeah. You know, so if you've been in a, a group where people are rude to an educator or judgmental or mean, so like if you've been there, then you like feel that, you know? So it's really like a personal confidence thing, uh, preparing and knowing your shit. And then I love to play and engage the audience because it's the best for, it's the best, uh, best way I've found to, build connections and get everyone involved yeah it, i i think that what you said though about like sometimes speaking to an older audience that is something i think every younger uh educator deals with because i know i've always i've always been super intimidated when i'm like i feel a little bit more comfortable with my peers but when it's like my older peers that's a whole different because i feel like oh man they know so much more than i do but there's there's a it's like it's like this false mindset that we all lure ourselves into and it's it's a lot easier if we can just be like you know what just go into everything assuming that no one knows anything because at some point they're going to get something valuable out of it and just may not be the whole class but they'll get something valuable out of it mm -hmm. so well i find that, that if you try to if you try to skew your information or try to change because of who's in the audience, you just end up fucking it all up. So yeah. it's really just like staying true to what you're gonna say. One, they will get one thing from it and just trusting that. And if you're prepared, it's easier to trust that. But if you're unprepared, it's a different exactly. question. It's like, if I'm prepared, what can I do to combat nerves? If I'm unprepared, what can I do to combat nerves? It's like two yeah. different questions, right? <laughs> Did you just raise your hand? Angela just raised her I hand, raised my hand like she wanted to it. ask a question. <laughs> I, was gonna, not, I always raise my hand. I have good manners. Um, like, we, like you can see or anyone else can see her. She's like, excuse me. There's a reason y'all don't see me. 
Okay, um, there's another question that I, I just don't want to miss, and I think it ties in with what you guys are talking about right now. So the question is, with the influx of educators now, how do you find information that has been constant? How, oh, how do you find information that has been constantly repeated and start fresh and new with, with new information? So basically, how do you create new education with every all the educators that are coming out there and they're repeating things that are you know kind of of the old how do you create it to be new and fresh I love this question. Um, And this is something that I struggled with becoming an educator so much. And it's because I have a very expansive education. So everything that I have learned over my 10, 11 years, I've learned from beauty school, all of my salons, all of the clients I've seen, all of the education that I've taken in hair and not in hair. Uh, all of the audiobooks I've listened to, all of the podcasts I've listened to, all of the one-on-one conversations I've had with mentors. My whole life experience is my education. And I know that if you struggle with that, it's because you, you're not being yourself. So when you're yourself, anything you teach is going to be yours. But if you're not being yourself, you're going to sound like a puppet. Yeah. So it's really like, it doesn't matter, like, like three, like the, if I do seven weaves, it's going to look natural, but how I tell you how, like you can teach that to somebody, but how you teach it and your experience with it is different. And if you're using somebody's original exact words, just give credit where credit's due. Like I credit people all throughout my classes, things that I say, if I say something exact, like when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I always say Robert Crow means I'm literally like an, uh, an encyclopedia and I'm here to share with you. And I'm not going to be feeling sad that I learned information elsewhere. I'm going to feel excited and happy that I've filled my whole self up to give to everybody else. Yeah. That's being an educator. And if people make you feel like shit for saying something the way that they say, like you're just hitting a nerve because they're not being themselves. Right? Yeah. That's true. Nothing is original. Nothing is, everything's already been created. You can't invent the wheel, reinvent the wheel. It's your life experience and you that people are buying. They're not buying the color class. They're buying you as a person. Uh, And when you're yourself, you're going to really open and expand to your true audience. And those are the people who are going to like ferociously support you. Everybody else is uh, fucking cares, right? <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I, I agree 100% with everything you just said. I feel like when, when the market, when, when the industry is so saturated as it is right now, again, it's not like when we were in hair school or when we, when we graduated hair school where it was, there were just those few select people on the stage that you could see and look up, look up to. Now with social media as a platform, you've got everybody reinventing different ways of doing the same thing. And it's not, again, it's not, and I think that's kind of what, I think it was Kelly that asked what she's saying is, a lot of it is just a bunch of the same and somebody just slaps a new name on it. Like. You can you can change names of every of things all you want, 
but at the end of the day, it's it's not necessarily uh, you're, it's not super unique if, um, to develop your brand as an educator. So if you want to develop your brand as an educator, it's again, doing what you're saying, being true to yourself and how you educate. I, I feel like for me, when I'm connecting with my audience, it's because they appreciate the way that I'm teaching them. And the same as what you're saying, I, I love to reference the people who were influences for me. Uh, so like when I started my my hair school teachers, I referenced the salon owner where I started, Richard, he was a huge, The my first mentor, David, he was a huge, um, he was a, a huge influence for me. People like Sam Villa that I, I bring and watched all his videos forever, um, just constantly soaking up as much as I could from him um, to like, all the different like super talented educators the Satsun people like as i've developed my 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 work in like precision cutting it's been all about like just deep diving into Satsun type trainings and uh, gianni scumachi who's i would consider a mentor for me now in that area i i based all my precision cutting work around the information that he gave me and, and it, I'm just sharing what he passed on to me because maybe I have a larger audience to give it to on the social media platform and he's got a larger audience in a different way but I think what he shared is so valuable I just want to pass it on and I think that that's you know it's it's like that it's just and if you're truly if you're truly educating for the right reasons and to help others and all of those things I mean what is the right reason right what's the right reason it's different to whoever but you know if I teach somebody something and they share it and they say oh like if, they, if you're on a stage and you say something that I say and you credit me why would I be upset but if you teach a whole class saying the exact like not not facts not facts like not like the smaller the section the lighter the result that's a fact in a like milady book right? right like it's a fact but if you say like little things that i say like something you know like i always say like jay ladner like if he, he'll say like creamy with a backbone and i'll say tm because it's like just something he says like on stage all the time so like i'll repeat stuff like that jay says but i'll always be like jay ladner or tm because like it's just obvious you know and it's my love to him to share that you know what i mean and when you are copying others like that's when it feels bad but if you're being yourself and sharing and crediting and 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 doing all of those things you should never have those bad feelings about it so i hope that that answers your question yeah same i hope so too somebody like piggyback and asked do we think do you not think our hairdressing has evolved i think that it has I think that part of what we're saying is that the evolution is making sure that we're still crediting those those who came before us. So as it continues to evolve, it's just it's 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 a natural evolution. It's not we're just not trying to force anything. So mm -hmm. um, and it's just it's uh, it's all the same and it's all very simple. It's all saturation, over direction, elevation, and, and like basics. You know, it's yeah. all basics, and it's just yeah. how you explain. And if you're an educator, if that's holding you back, if that's holding you back, don't let it hold you back because your life experience and who you are, that is like what you're selling and what you're teaching. 
uh, and you can teach through that and that's a beautiful place to teach yeah i love that i love that do you, do you have any questions over there on your end no i think we're almost done someone asked what are the steps to becoming an educator i feel like we went through that through the entire thing i mean i think the first step is to decide what that you're going to do it and take massive action so maybe do a step by step maybe ask a friend maybe reach out to your rep i know you said just asking the people who work with the brand and that reminded me like i've gotten education opportunities simply by asking my rep i've gotten many connections yeah. by asking my rep and your reps there are a lot of reps who are doing a really good job, but a lot of people in my classes share with me that they wish they had the support of their reps. Whatever brand that you're using, call the 1-800 number and find out who your rep is because if they don't have a rep in that area, it's good for them to know. And if you don't have a rep that you're using, it's good for you to have that tool because reps are working for you. Like my reps have got me great deals, gift with purchase, uh, take home bags, back bar, uh, so many deals, way cheaper than going to the store and a lot of connections to um, higher upset brands. So your reps, the reps who are doing a good job, I wanna say bravo to you. And if you don't have a rep or know who your rep is, maybe just call the brand you're interested in using because that's that would be the first, first, first step beforehand because whatever brand or wherever you wanna go with this, you have to love the brand you're using. So you might as well start using that brand actually, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that the, the, the lady that brought me into Joyco, she was, uh, she was a rep, and that's how I met her. So, I know, love it. it all starts with that. There's um, another question over here, if it's okay to share. Yeah. Uh, the question to both of you is where, and start with Gina, where do you want to be in the future? Oh my God. Um, so, this is the thing I'm on like this new wave. Like there's always another level. So in the future, I don't know. It depends when. Um, right now I'm back in school to do, um, I'm being a strategic intervention coach. So I really wanna help people um, like, you know, I can certainly help you doing hair and techniques and stuff like that, but I would love for you to never have to worry about your consultations again, or I would love for you to never have to worry about breaking down a ticket again, or I would love for you to be able to face your team as a leader and not have to feel like uh, you don't belong there, or not feel like the salon isn't yours. Uh, I want to help people with like really like powerful uh, issues as a coach. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going and I have to educate myself. So I'm going through like actual training, um, which it's going to take probably six months to a year to complete. But, um, you know, so, um, I'm kind of going in that direction. I really always want to be there for stylists and be there for people. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like there's always another level. There's yeah. always something more to do. I really just always want to be making an impact. And I know that like my gifts, the more I can be myself, the more my gifts will come out and uh, the more that well, it will really like help. Um, the we more that it will really we, help. Oh, no. Let me do that and let me help Shit. as many people Sorry. as I can. It didn't give me the option to say that. Well, that but part. our Instagram live ended. So let's see where Ricardo is. 
He's here. You guys are still there. Sorry, I muted on this side. Oh, yay. It went away. Uh, That's okay. Good thing we're still recording on our Zoom. <laughs> I know the the live just like just cut out. Mm -hmm. No, but that's okay. That's okay. Let's continue. So um, good thing we have our Zoom going and this is going to be amazing, amazing. So um, yeah, I just know that in the future, whatever, as long as I keep being myself, I know that like I'll be able to just help as many people as possible and my life will just kind of unfold for me. So I'm just going to focus on being myself and always um, growing and staying true to who I am. Yeah. Hey, I think we tried to restart the live. I don't know if you went back on it or not. It's okay. Just to add. It's okay. No, it's okay. We can just finish. Yeah, just to wrap up. All right. All right. Yeah. And what about you? Where do you see yourself in the future? Um, honestly, my my goal from day one of starting with Choiko when we had uh, Sue and um, we had Sue Pemberton and Damien Carney, and I was so inspired by them that I was like, I want, I want that, like, I want that level. So I want my, my first and foremost goal is to be a director, whether that's a creative or artistic director. Um, and then after that, it's to just be, I mean, just talking like within the hair industry, just to be seen as someone who is on that same kind of level of inspiration, like the way that people look at a Sam Villa or Robert Cromians or, you know, that that generation before us that were, these guys are so iconic and so synonymous with education and like just taking our industry to a, the next, like continuing its its evolution. Um, I want I want to be synonymous with that. So like, that's that's my goal. I love that. And it reminds me of what Tabitha Coffee said to me when I met her the first time. Uh, she said that her goal was to just leave the industry a little bit better than when she arrived. Absolutely. And I was just like, wow, same, same, same. I love that. And I think that when you're an educator, you could just, you know, when you're a stylist, you can do that. When you're a salon owner, you can do that. When you're an educator, you can do that. It's what you do every single day. And um, thank you so much, Ricardo, for doing this with me. It was really, really fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really appreciate it. Thanks for making the time. And is there anything else you'd like to add? No, no. I just wanted to say thank you to you for helping to, like, we had this simple idea of just like, hey, let's do a live together. And then Gina's like so forward thinking and like so like ahead of things she's like oh well hey you know we could turn this into a zoom and a podcast and i was like wait you can do all that stuff well i'm <laughs> learning it like i'm learning so i don't even care if it's perfect or not like i'm in full learning zone and i was like let's make the most of this because if people are like snuggling up binge watching on netflix and they miss it like they need to see it elsewhere so i'm really happy that we did it this way yeah, and um i'm really really glad that we did it so thank you so so much and thank you guys for tuning in i really appreciate you all and we'll see you again next time. Yep. Thank you to everybody. Thanks, Gina. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Gina Bianca podcast.